We see today uh, the title of this sermon is Temptation is Inevitable, but Sin is Not. And since, we can, uh, since God is faithful, we can overcome temptation. But let's look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to start with verses 1 through 13. And we're going to really look at verses 12 and 13, but 1 through 13 will give us the context of this. It says this in verse 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud in the sea and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Let's stop right there for a moment. Up to verse 5, we're kind of looking back to Exodus, or we are looking back to Exodus and seeing uh, what's happened. And, and, the, and Paul gives really just a quick, condensed summary of the children of Israel leaving uh, Egypt and go, trying to go into the promised land. And there were a lot of people that complained and were not obeying God. And it says God was not pleased with many of them. And that's because of sin. Let's pick it up in verse 6 says this about these people that we just read about. Now, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's like a con. That's like a little mini summary of our day to day, isn't it? Sat down to eat, drink and rose up to play. Just indulging in whatever we want, not thinking about God. Verse eight says this. We must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were uh, written for our instruction on whom the end of ages has come. Verse 12, therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. We're going to start off and look at this passage, but we're going to we're going to look back when the word therefore in verse 20 or in verse 12 is there. You see the therefore. And as every preacher has said, we look at the therefore and try and see what is that therefore. And we would say it's because of what's written before that. The advice goes uh, the the word here before this is talking about six through eleven. And this is an example of these people that fell that had no regard for following God. And the first point we want to make on your handout there, you can see it, is a common phrase that I sometimes will say to my kids, check yourself before you wreck yourself. It's an idea of making sure that you're prepared before you cause some big problems. When you go on a trip, uh, a long trip, when I take the kids to camp in the vans, uh, part of the week before, I spend time making sure those vans are set, put them in the shop, make sure that everything's good, send them through an inspection. You want to check out that those vans are secure and ready to take that your family or whatever it may be. You're checking yourself before you have some problem and you break down and foul furious and you think, uh, man, why didn't I at least get this checked beforehand? And this is what verse 12 is telling us. Let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. We see in verse 6 through 11, these people were written as, or they were written as examples for us. 
so that we wouldn't desire evil, so we wouldn't fall, so we wouldn't fall into sin. The problem is what we're seeing here is that these people's hearts were not ruled by God. They were ruled by other idols, pleasure, sexual temptation, complaining, whatever they wanted. And these people's hearts were ruled by their own desires. And God's telling us right here, Paul tells us, watch out, take heed, lest you fall. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Take heed. You think that you can participate in sin, but you're going to have disastrous consequences. But this is really when we look at this, these people's hearts were filled with pride and pride is the opposite of humility. And in this case, pride is thinking that I can handle temptation without God. These people thought that they could play with temptation and handle it without God doing anything. But humility comes along and says, no, I realize I need God because of my sin. And these people were filled with pride. They didn't take heed. And they didn't look out and say, I need you, God, because I'm a sinner. Instead, they ran to their own desires and just fulfilled them. You know, these people had a pride problem. And if we put the words pride and unbelief next to each other, they would look different. And you would say those aren't really related. But I would say when we look in Scripture, we, see, we would see pride and unbelief almost as like best friends. Somebody filled with pride is a person that usually does not believe God is the one that should get, ha, have received the glory for all things. A person that is worried about indulging in their flesh is a person that doesn't believe God and is consumed with pride. A person that doesn't believe God says, I know better than God. And they're really consumed with pride. They're like best friends. They walk together. The problem that some of us have that are in this room today is that we think we know better than God. There are people here that believe that they don't need Jesus to save them from their sin. They hear about sin and they're like, yeah, other people have sinned. I've sinned, but I don't think I need God. I'm good on my own because I've worked enough. I've done enough good things. Or they think that they don't need God because they don't believe God and they say all that stuff is a fairy tale. And they have pride in their own mind that they don't need to believe in Jesus. And let me encourage you, if you're here and you're thinking, this is ridiculous, I don't need this, I don't need God, then your heart is deceived and you're probably an unbeliever. And when you're unbelieving, you're consumed with pride saying, I don't need God. And what God wants us to do is humble ourselves and come to him. Jesus offered himself as a sacrifice for us. We can trust in his sacrifice for our sin as a substitute for our sin. And we can believe in him. Let me encourage you. Give up of your pride and trust in Christ today. Don't live in it. Don't live in sin today and say, I don't need Jesus. Sin blinds us. And so if you need to come to Christ, let me encourage you today. Let it be a start your new year with trusting Christ as your savior. Go into it, trusting him, being redeemed and following the savior and becoming a child of God. What a beautiful way to end this year and begin the next. But this is written specifically to believers. And so many of you in this room, you're believers, you've trusted Christ. And you would say, you know, those people were foolish because they fell in the wilderness. They were just big time sinners. And I don't have that problem. 
And if you're in that position there, you're probably a person filled with pride and not with humility. And the problem is pride blinds us and it blinds me thinking I don't need God. Take heed lest you, you think you stand, lest you fall. But we sometimes look at our temptation. And in verse 13, we learn a lot about our temptation. We sometimes think temptation is really unique. But let me tell you in point two that you see in your handout, your temptation is not unique. In verse 13, it says this, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. There's a general call really here or a general understanding. All people face temptation. Every person in this room, every person in all of the world and all of history has faced temptation. And it's specific also talking about you in this verse. No temptation has taken you that is not common to man. We see this general call. All people have experienced temptation and I myself experienced temptation. And my temptation is not unique. Christ actually faced temptation like mine. We'll look at this in a couple of weeks in Luke and we'll see Jesus's temptations. But it says this in Hebrews 4, 15, talking about Jesus. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Categorically, Jesus faced the temptations like us. He faced all those temptations. First John says this in first John two fifteen and sixteen says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The idea of a temptation has been is common to man, has come to every one of us. We've all been tempted. In fact, Jesus has been tempted like us, but he did not sin. And sometimes we look at Jesus and we think, well, he didn't sin because he's God, right? He, he didn't sin and he doesn't, he's never faced sin like, or faced temptation like me. And we sometimes make excuses and think that my temptation is somehow worse than the, the temptations that Jesus faced. Jesus faced the temptations head on. He was in the wilderness for 40 days. Luke tells us that he was there being tempted in the wilderness that whole time. And then we see three specific temptations. And we sometimes think that our little temptation that we have and we fall to is somehow worse and more difficult to overcome than the ones that Jesus fought. You know, if I asked you, uh, what is the greatest boxer you've ever seen? And many of you may say somebody like Mike Tyson. And I say, would you want to go 12 rounds? Would you fight Mike Tyson and go 12 rounds with him in the ring? And you'd be like, well, for a million dollars, I'd do anything. I mean, I'll take a punch in the first round and go down and just pay, you know, half a million is going to pay my medical bills and the other half I'm going to live on. Right. And you would say and I would say, well, did you fight Mike Tyson? Well, the answer would be kind of a yes, but really a no, because it was of no competition. You fell right away. But if we put somebody that was a champ up there, Tyson Fury or whoever it is, and he fights him and they go blow for blow round after round and 12 rounds in, he finally knocks out Mike Tyson. And I said, do you think Tyson Fury actually fought Mike Tyson? Well, you would say, of course. And he won well, because he battled and battled and finally conquered the foe. 
And that's the image of Jesus, what we have. Jesus has faced all those temptations and he actually has conquered them. We go and we have a little temptation and we give in to sin right away. Jesus, his whole life has been tempted when he was here on earth and he never once sins. And we sometimes think of this excuse. No, my temptation's worse. I can't get past it. There's no way I can do this. And Jesus did. And we can trust in him and we can see that he actually won the victory and we can go to him who has experience with this. But we sometimes wallow in our sin and our temptation and just have a pity party and say, this is just me. The problem is we sometimes hear the temptation and we think God's tempting us. But look in James one, chapter two, I'm chapter, James one, verse 12. Blessed is a man who remains steadfast under trial. When he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he's tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it, when it conceived, gives birth, and sin, when it is fully grown, get, brings forth death. We know God doesn't tempt us, but God also allows us to have trials. Any trial of our faith can wind up being a temptation for us. And any temptation can wind up being a trial of our faith. You may be going through a difficult temptation. That can be a trial of your faith. You can be going through a difficult trial and it winds up te tempting you to actually sin against God. Think of it this way. Somebody lusts. And when they have that lustful thought, it's a temptation to give in to sin. But it's a, also a test of your faithfulness to God. Will you remain faithful to God? But you can also fall under persecution, whether it be somebody at work or be a difficult time when people are mocking your faith and you're being persecuted. And we would say you're going through a trial. But during that trial, you can also be tempted to give up. And say, I'm going to say no to God and yes to myself. You may be going through a trial of physical problems. And you may, may be in that trial tempted to say, this is God's fault. Or say, God, you're not good. Or stop loving him because you're going through difficulties. And so every test of our faith and trial uh, will often have temptations that are sometimes coming along with it. And that's often a result of our desire. When I have some sickness or some problem or persecution and I'm tempted, the temptation is not uh, or the temptation is usually I want an easier route. I want an easier way. I want my life to be more pleasant. I want to have my feelings satisfied and we want our desires set. And so we have to balance that and see there are going to be trials of our faith. But when you're going through a trial Put your radars up and start looking and say, God, I'm I'm knowing that there's a trial going on. I'm going to watch out because it's a temptation for my own heart, for my own desire to say that I to run from you. And we need to have our our eyes and our our antennas up to know temptation is coming. It's not unique. We face a common problem, temptation and sin. And sometimes we think our temptation is unique to us saying things like, Nobody has a boss like mine. Nobody has ever had to live with a spouse like mine. 
If you only knew how terrible my wife, my husband, whatever it is, it, it is, you would understand why I cheat, why I look at this kind of junk, why I spend time away from them doing everything else so I don't have to be around them. And we make awful, evil excuses for our sin. And it's a temptation to say, I'm the only one that experiences this. And this verse is saying, no, you're not. No, you're not. If you only knew how bad my parent was, my authority, my teacher, nobody knows how bad I have it. Nobody knows the trials that I've gone through. And then you start singing that old song, nobody knows, right? And you realize that we become selfish. And we wind up giving into temptation because we think we're all alone. But look at this verse. Look at what we're going to see in the last point here. Or point number three. We're going to look that God is faithful. In verse 13, he says these three words. God is faithful. And the foundation for what we're going to see are these three words. It's like a building that has to have a strong foundation. This is the absolute cornerstone pillar of strength that we're going to see. God is faithful. But if we don't trust and believe that God is faithful, we're never going to believe the rest of this verse. So let me just stop you here. If you look at this verse and you say, I don't believe God is faithful, then the rest of this verse doesn't apply to you because you're not going to believe the cornerstone of what we're looking at. But if you believe God is faithful, then let me tell you, there's hope for the temptation that you're going to face and you can get through it. God is faithful. It's not a new command in scripture, a new idea. I'm sorry. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says this. Know, therefore, that the Lord your God is God, the faithful God who keeps a covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keeps his commandments to a thousand generations. First Corinthians 1, 9 in the same book that we're looking at says this. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul is emphasizing that God is faithful. Throughout human history, God has been faithful. Throughout your life, God has been faithful. Throughout this day, throughout this next year in 2024, I know what's going to happen. God's going to be faithful. I can't predict the future. I can't tell you what next week's going to look like. I can't tell you anything about your job. I can't tell you what's going to happen with your family. But I can tell you this. God is faithful. And you can believe that for this coming year. And you can believe it that when temptation comes to you in this coming year because it will you can believe that god is going to be faithful to you but here's the problem the problem does not lie with the faithfulness of god it never lies with the faithfulness of god but it li the problem lies with man's faithfulness to god and our willingness to believe that he's faithful i've broken my promises i've told my kids things like we're going to go to dairy queen and we don't go and those promises are broken. And we've told much bigger things and pro broken our promises. But God's promise to be re remain faithful will never go away. And so if you believe that, let's keep reading and look at this verse and see what God has given to us. It says in verse 13, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability if you believe God is faithful, then he tells us this. God will not let your temptation go beyond your ability. It's interesting that he says this. We sometimes think that we need some kind of superhuman 
ability to overcome uh, overcome temptation. But the ability that we have to overcome temptation has already been given to us. It's the Holy Spirit working through our lives to change us day after day to be more like Christ. And God has given us what we need. The ability that we have is from the Holy Spirit for our lives to be changed. The faithfulness of God guarantees that you will never face temptation beyond your ability. But we sometimes see people and ourselves, if we're honest, that continually make vulnerable and poor choices that put us in situations that make it more and more difficult to obey God and it easier for us to follow our own self. When we used to go fishing uh, a long time ago, it's been a long time since uh, I've been offshore fishing, I would go with friends or with my dad and we would, we would take the boat out of either South Padre or Port Mansfield and we would go you know, sometimes 10, 20, 30 miles offshore. And you're in the middle of nowhere, okay? And you're looking at it, and it all looks like water. And that's what it is, right? And uh, it's exciting because underneath that water is vast nothingness, just lots of sand. And then all of a sudden, you go to that one spot in your GPS, and you find rocks or an old wreck or whatever it is. And you either, you would, we would sometimes anchor over those, but often we would just kind of get close to it. And we would be fishing for red snapper, and we would get this bait, chum or whatever, and we would start throwing it in the water. And all of a sudden, these fish that love the protection of this rock and a place to get food, they start to come up and they start to eat this bait. And they love it. They, you can just see it. And then we start reeling in these fish. But we've never, we haven't anchored up. And we, start, we keep throwing out a little bit of stuff. We throw a little bit of bait out. We throw a little bit of chum. And they, you know, the boat keeps drifting and farther and farther away from those rocks. And we keep catching fish. Why? Those fish are dumb. They have a desire for something. They want food. And they were safe. They were close to the rocks. And sometimes when they get caught, they go down, swim next to the rock. The line cuts and you lose it, right? But they were so worried about that food that they didn't even realize where they were. And we just keep catching them. And it's a lot of fun. And that's a lot of, a lot of like our sin. A lot like the temptations that we face. Sometimes it's very clear. We see a temptation and we're sitting in a situation. People around us, something pops up and we're like, whoa, well, that's, we would never do that. But then we put ourselves in situations where we're vulnerable. We're like, no, 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 I, I can handle that temptation. I'm good. And we're okay. I'm not going to look at that. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to spend time with that. But then little by little, we put ourselves in more and more vulnerable spots. We wind up saying, I don't need Jesus. Maybe I don't need to be around my brothers and sisters in Christ. I mean, sure, I need Jesus, but I don't need to be there on a Sunday. I don't need to spend time in God's word. I don't need to pray. In fact, I can kind of have this little hobby of looking at trash on the Internet. I can have this little pet desire of sin and I can stop with my buddies and go drinking and get wasted. I can go and do these things because it's only so often and we drift farther and farther away from where we should be. And then we look at a verse like this and we say, yeah, God's faithful, but he gives me temptation that's way too difficult. And we lie to ourselves. Sin deceives. Sin lies to us. We think I would never do that. However, little moment after little moment, 
we allow sin to creep in our life. And we think as long as we don't have the big stuff, we're good. But we let sin carve out a place in our heart and we start to love it. It's not that strong of a temptation, but eventually it becomes overwhelming. But God's faithful. He doesn't say he says you're not going to be tempted beyond your ability. But he also says something else. Look in the end of that verse in verse 13. Not only will we not be tempted beyond our ability with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Escape is an exit pathway out. I don't have to explain that to you too hard, but it's an image of an army getting in a bad situation and getting themselves extracted from it out of the path of the danger in the mountains or wherever they're at. God makes a way for us to escape sin. Temptation is going to come and temptation. Let me help you understand, help you know this temptation is not sinful. Giving into temptation is sinful. When you sit there and say, I'm going to just let myself be tempted by scrolling through something or sitting there enduring through it and listening to junk and saying, I'm not really sinning. I'm just going to let myself be tempted. Well, you've already started sinning. But let me just say, when something comes up and you're tempted to say something evil or that thought in your mind comes up and you want to do something that's wrong, when you say no to it, then we're saying no to the temptation. We're not sinning. But sometimes we don't look for the obvious escape. You remember Joseph? Joseph in Genesis runs from Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife comes and throws herself at Joseph and says, come lay with me. And Joseph flees, leaving his coat there. He gets out of the situation. But some of you and me, too, sometimes think that we're better than Joseph. You know, Joseph ran away, but I don't really need to run. I think I can just handle it. Joseph was a fool because he ran. He could have probably negotiated his way out of the situation. He didn't really have to spend time in prison. He could have figured out a way to say this is okay, or to say, I'm going to talk to the wife until the husband gets there. No, Joseph's idea was to flee and do what this verse says to escape temptation, to run from it, to run from a woman that was trying to compromise his integrity and to get with him sexually. And he runs from it. But yet we sometimes think I'm better than Joseph. We think maybe I'll play with this temptation. Maybe I'll look around at this. Think about it. Dwell on it. And God gives us a clear escape. But we fool around with it and we fall into sin. My brother and my dad and uh, most of my family, they've been in a fire protection and they put you know sprinkler systems in buildings. And if you talk to my brother, he's kind of weird and uh, has this idea about him as his phobia. But you knew that about him already. But Ryan will sometimes go into a restaurant and he tells me this uh, and he'll tell you as well. When he walks into a place, he immediately looks for the exits in the building, especially in a restaurant. Where are the exits so that if there's a fire or something, he can get out of them and he get out and run out the back or whatever. So he wants to sit close to an exit. And sometimes going into a restaurant that doesn't have a backdoor exit or anything actually makes him nervous because he's watched too many fire protection videos because that's his job. But he's always looking for that escape because that's what you do in the fire protection industry. Put the fire out, get out of the building, building and escape. Right. And that is a great way for us to look at temptation. When temptation comes, look for the way of escape and run to it. But a lot of times we like to sit farthest away from the from the escape. 
we sometimes think, you know what? I can handle this myself. And we don't do a good job at it, do we? You know, when I counsel young people, and I counsel really anybody, I I would encourage them to think when they're struggling, and I would encourage you now to think of this, if you're struggling with a sin that is habitual, that's over and over that you can't get past, let me encourage you to think about a couple things. One, when and what are the circumstances of when is this happening? And why is that happening? You look at this junk and you constantly are dwelling on it. And you may be like, well, why are you talking about sexual sin so much? Why would you talk about this? Well, because I know that like 80 to 90 percent of people look at porn and it's a huge issue. I mean, you're like, why would you bring that up? Well, if you remember in verses six through 11, all these people, 23,000 died because of what? Sexual sin. It's a huge problem then. And they didn't have the Internet. And we do. And it's a huge problem. Let me encourage you to run from it, to think, what are the things that are set up in my life that I'm allowing this to be put in this circumstance? Is it a program or an app? Is it a time? Is it a place? What is it? Start to eliminate that and say, do something different. Try to avoid those times so that you don't fall into temptation so easily. But a lot of times we kind of like going back to it. Like the dog revisiting its vomit. That's gross, but we keep going back to it. We say, God, I'll never do it again. And then the next day we're constantly going back to it. You know, if somebody struggles with an alcohol problem and they go to the bar with their buddies all the time and they see, you know, Joe's bar or whatever, and they stop in there and they get drunk with their buddies and they they go home and they say, you know, I'm never going to do that again. One of the things I would counsel them is just say, what is the problem? Well, when I drive by Joe's bar, I see my buddy Mike is over there and whatever his name is, I see his truck and I think I'm just going to pull in and I'm going to have a Dr. Pepper with him. And I would tell that guy, well, that's a really bad idea. Don't do that. And you might say, well, what are some suggestions as to change that? Well, you'd say, well, see that truck and just drive by. Well, yeah, that's that's one way you could do it, but you're going to be tempted Why even do that? I would just say, pick another route home. Well, that's five minutes longer. Well, that's, you know, 50 bucks less you're going to spend. And it's a whole lifetime of sorrow that you're going to avoid. And it's a God that you're going to please by doing what's right. But we often put ourselves into the situation over and over and over again and say, I'm going to do this. And we fall. And then we're surprised. God says, I've given you a way to escape. Don't play with fire. Don't play with sin. Find the escape, run away. But listen to the last part of this verse as we finish up. It says, he will also provide the way to escape that you may be able to endure it. This is interesting. When you think about about escaping, you don't think about enduring. But this is what sometimes has to happen. You understand that sometimes temptations happen all the time. Sometimes you're just put in situations where you cannot avoid it. You have a terrible work environment. You have a spouse that is evil to you constantly because maybe they're unbelieving. You have a disease that you constantly are battling and you're sitting there frustrated and tempted to give give up or say, say evil things to God. And constantly you have this temptation coming up over and over. Well, the escape is there, but sometimes it's not easy and you're actually going to have to endure it for a while. Enduring it means you actually bear up under something. Let me tell you, your temptation will not last forever. 
We have a kingdom with God that we will spend eternity with him. And one day we will be free from temptation. And I cannot wait till that day. I can't wait till we're with God and we don't have temptation because temptation is hard for me, just like it is for you. But what we sometimes have to do in this life is to endure it. We have to endure and realize there is going to be temptation coming along my life. And I'm going to have to endure it and escape it when I can and say no to it all the time. Sometimes we think that we can just live in temptation and we're going to be okay. Let me encourage you, set your mind to escape it when you can, when you have to endure, get the counsel and the help that you need to endure the situation you're in to not sin against God. And there may be a question. Some of you may be here today asking this. I am in a terrible place of sin right now. I'm stuck. I, I've really gotten myself into trouble and I'm constantly sinning. In fact, I don't know even if I'm saved. I don't know if I need Jesus. Well, I tell you, you need, need you do need Jesus. But you may be sitting in a situation where you're like, I'm so far into sin, I don't see a way out. Let me tell you, the first thing you should do is start saying, I'm going to follow God with the next right step. I'm going to do the right next step. You didn't follow God into your situation, but you can follow him out of it. And you may say, well, it would be so difficult People would find out about this. My parents, my family, my whoever would find out about this sin. Let me tell you that bringing sin to the light is what we need to do. Jesus is the light and we bring the sin to him. But there's sometimes sin that we constantly are struggling with and we need help. We need some other believer to help us through that time. We need counsel. We need strength. We need accountability programs. But oftentimes we see that we see a pathway and we say there's no way I can get out of it. So I'm just going to remain in it. And let me tell you, the first step is right now today to follow God out of it by taking the first right step and saying no to sin. You may need to call Pastor Harris or me or some other counselor around and say, I'm struggling in this sin and I'm so far into it. I don't know how I can get in out of it. We'd love to help you with that. That's what we're here for. That's what brothers and sisters in Christ are for. That's why Paul's writing this letter, letter, not just to individuals, but to a whole group of believers. The church is so that we all follow Jesus together. God gives us profound help for temptation. Imagine this. You were given a prognosis from your doctor and he tells you, listen, you can overcome this by simply changing your diet. If you would just diet and exercise you would all of a sudden be rid of this problem. And you look at it and you think, no, I don't know about that. And the doctor says, well, if you don't, your life expectancy goes way down. And you know what you should do, but you look at it and you're like, ah, I weigh the consequences. And you're like me, I like tamales, right? And you're like, it's worth it. Or maybe not. And we sometimes treat temptation that way. We make a gamble. This is good right now. I enjoy it. I'm going to spend some time in it. One day, maybe I'll think about changing. I'm telling you, sin kills us. It takes us from God. So let me tell you today, kill sin before it kills you. You may be thinking, this crazy preacher, I wish he'd be done. He's making a way, bit, way too big a deal about sin. Sin will send people to hell for eternity. Sin, sin will kill us and take us from God. And so as believers, we want to fight sin. 
And let me encourage you, let 2024 be a year that you start fighting sin more than you did this year. Not just so you can get over sin, but so that you can become more like Jesus. One of the most profound things a pastor once said is that people are going to do what they want to do. And that's just what, how it is. People are going to do what they want to do. Do you want to serve God? Do you want to please him? Or do you want to enjoy your sin for a couple more seasons? Listen to this last verse, though. It says this in 1 John 1, 9. And this says something about God's faithfulness. Remember, this is the foundation for everything that we looked at. Do we believe God's faithful? Well, what's it say in 1 John 1, 9? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God is so faithful that he doesn't just give us a way to escape. He doesn't just allow us to endure through it or get rid of the temptation. He also is so good. God is so faithful to you that if you have sinned, if you're struggling at sin right now, God is so faithful and just that he wants to forgive you from your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Isn't God good? We serve a faithful God. And you know what? I am a sinner, just like every one of us in here. And this verse to me is so critically important in my life because I am a full-time sinner. But I need a full-time faithful God to forgive me of my sin. Let me encourage you to run to the faithful God who is willing to forgive you. And then look to Him to run from your temptation. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. And if you need help today... I'd love for to, to talk to you today about this or these things, but we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for these verses. Lord, just an encouraging passage. Lord, because you give us a way to escape temptation. You give us a way to endure it, to bear up through it. You give us so many ways to run away from temptation. But Lord, we often are just consumed with the desires of our flesh. Lord, would you work in our hearts and our eyes, open them in our minds to illumine our, uh, us, Lord, through the Holy Spirit and this, the Word of God to say we need to run from sin. Lord, there's probably people here today that are under conviction of sin. And I pray that, Lord, as they are thinking about their conscience and about the Holy Spirit and those things working together to convict them of sin, I pray that, Lord, you would use them and your word to help them to make the changes in their life that they need. Whether it be getting with somebody for counseling, getting with a friend, going to others and confessing their sins, or going to you and asking for forgiveness and salvation. I pray that they would do that today. Lord, help us to be a congregation that wants to run from sin and wants to run together to Jesus and to His likeness. Lord, we love You and we thank You for Your faithfulness to us and forgiving us ways to run from sin. Help us to make plans to do so. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior, who won the victory and fought the battle that we could not fight. Lord, thank you for giving us a hope of heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.